Welcome to the Kenosha City Church Podcast. Lead Men's Ministry teaches men how to lead in their family, their church, their workplace, and more. In this episode, you'll hear from Donovan Olding, a Kenosha City Church mission partner located in South Africa. Enjoy the message. I mainly work with young people in South Africa, Africa, and um, yeah, we just mobilize students uh, all over. So I I was in Washington, D.C. and Virginia, and then I went on to Arkansas, preached at a real Southern Baptist church. Um, very, very interesting. Then I went to, uh, I was in Texas, but uh, yeah, I just went to encourage them. Um, and then I went, I was in Denver, Colorado. And that's kind of where uh, there's this guy named Greg Steer, who leads a ministry called Dare to Share Ministries. He's investing in 12 key leaders from around the globe. So there was guy. I was one of the guys from South Africa, Africa. There was guys from Australia, uh, Kenya, um, also guys from the United States. So and then we played some broomball, and like I was sharing with you guys, broomball is Americans are competitive, which is good. South Africans are also competitive, but um, yeah, there were three or four injuries from that game. One guy hurt his back. The other guy broke his shoulder. I got smashed on this foot, um, and then, yeah, because they couldn't score through me, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and as we in South Africa, you know, I'm speaking to men today, but I, I'm yet to tell you that American football is not a real sport. <laughs> so guess what? Guess what sport I play? I played rugby. Okay. Yeah. Rugby is intense. When the guys go into the scrum like that, it's called a scrum. Your back is pushing at such a rate. I mean, if you just bend your back, it'll snap. So you've got to do it right. And so I just wanted you Americans to know (laughs) that I'm a real man, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, let's pray. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just briefly, quickly, just a, I'll give you a shortened background of uh, how I came to know Christ. Um, I, was, <clears throat> I wasn't brought up in a Christian family. My dad was addicted to codeine. Um, he was always uh, living his life addicted to that bottle of medicine. Um, and yeah, just made for a very rough upbringing in where we grew up. I grew up in a rough part of Johannesburg. So where your name was everything. And so if you kind of wanted people to fear your name, you know, that's just the area we were in. And I went to a youth camp and I heard this me- the message of the gospel about grace and God's love. And I, I got on my knees and I said, yes, I want this. But there was no mentorship after that. And, uh, yeah, I just got involved with, uh, like I said, we played rugby. And when you play rugby, it's, it's, you know, if you, it's an elite thing, uh, especially if you play first team rugby at school. And, uh, yeah, you got a lot of parties. You party hard. You, you do dumb things. <coughs> but uh, one night when I was out of school, I was at a, a nightclub. And uh, this one bouncer didn't let me in the club because I was wearing, <laughs> I was wearing a Mickey Mouse shirt. <laughs> So, so I got angry with him, and uh, so I said, okay, you wait. And then I drank, and I drank, 
And then when I had my courage built up, I went to him and I grabbed him and I headbutted him and he dropped. And then I went, walked inside just to prove my point. But then all his friends came and then it was, it was a real mess. I mean, it was just a pile on. And these guys are big, big guys, bigger than me, you know. And um, then, then we like, I got in the car and I went home and I was just out of it. Um, and I was laying on the floor in my bedroom like this, and I looked under my bed, and I saw a Bible. And I grabbed my Bible, and I just opened to Galatians chapter 5, just like that. And then I started reading, and it said something like this. It just said, um, it gave a list of like those who live like this. <coughs> so it's, it described wild parties. It was giving exactly angry outbursts. Um, just living for the world. It gives you a list in Galatians chapter 5. And then I was reading further. And then it said this, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I was like, hmm, you know, if something went wrong tonight, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would have made it. And then I read on how if you live in the spirit, you know, you live a different life. And I was like, man, I want that. You know, in the state that I was in. And I got on my knees and I said, Lord, you know what? I really want to take you serious and I want to follow you. And I ask for your forgiveness for living apart from you. And so I said, Lord, from this day, I give it all to you. I accept you as my king. I love you. I want to just, just live for you. And God's been doing amazing things since then, obviously. And uh, I mean, four days later, I got a call from like a national director of evangelism. Uh, it was part of the Baptist Union. And they said, join our team for a year. And that's where I started growing and getting into like where God's kind of propelled me on this direction of leading movements uh, across South Africa and Africa, now recently Europe. And so God has really been, a, you know, just really amazing in terms of how he's putting things together in my path, you know. But uh, as I was praying um, today and just saying, Lord, what do I say? I, know, I, normally, I, I normally speak to young people. You know, and, and we normally do these youth, youthy events. But now I find myself speaking to the men of Kenosha. And so I said, Lord, well, lead me to, to what you have to say today. And so um, I want to say to you, um, if you want to lead well at home, um, at the workplace and in, in your commu community, there's no better example than Jesus, you know. Everything we do and everything I do, uh, I focus my life on Jesus. 1 John 2, 6 says, those who claim to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. In other words, I want to live out the priorities of Jesus in my life. And so I want you to know, as you sit here, men, that you're living in a, in a counterculture. Do you know what counterculture means? I'll read it to you, okay? Um, it simply, it simply means um, it refers to a set of beliefs, behaviors, or ideas that go against the mainstream or widely accepted norms of a society. It's like doing things differently or having different values compared to what most people in the community think or do. Counterculture often challenges the status quo and aims to create its own unique identity apart from the dominant culture trends. And so as we look at this today, uh, this is going to help us lead well. And so I've taken your lead and I've done like four acronyms to lead. But we, you, you as men are living in a different day and age. Okay? 
In South Africa, we deal with different issues compared to what you are dealing with in America. Okay? Yeah, is a great example. I, get, I fly here to America. I fly into Washington, D.C. I want to go and see the national monuments. Okay? Which is a dream, and it's awesome to see that stuff. So I get on the, I think it's the Silver Line. Because they've just built it, I think. So you can get on from... I had airports, Dallas, and you take that line to the Washington Monuments. So I was sitting on the train, and I noticed this guy sitting in front. It was just me and him. Super awkward. But he took out a mirror. And then he took out his makeup. Then he opened his bag, and then he started doing all this girl stuff to himself. And putting all makeup and all this stuff for like 40 minutes. And then I saw this guy transform from a, from a male into a female, and putting up and dressing. And then he came to me <laughs> and said to me, is this the Jefferson, I don't know, one of the, where you get off the train? And I just said, bro, I don't live here. I couldn't like give him an answer because I was in shock, you know? But I made sure to call him bro, hey bro, okay? And uh, he knew of what he was doing but I mean like think about this 20 years ago did you face that issue what is the culture telling you today yeah it's what is a real man what is a real man you know you know I joked with you about the rugby and the and the football I mean football is intense <coughs> but uh what is a real man you know what does it take to live uh in a society where the whole pretty much the whole world is looking at men Middle-class men, you know, it, just saying, you are, are not what we want. This is the model of what we want. Someone who's very accepting of the culture around us. Someone who wants to see like, and it's basically evil and demonic and satanic. That's what's creeping into the world. And so I've got these four um, sort of values, okay? And as we live in this counterculture world, uh, Al, for your lead, uh, I looked at love, okay? So in the gospel, and this will always, always point to the gospel, we discover an, an unparalleled love of God, this unconditional love that God showed us. You know, like when I'm going through those times and I, I remember what God did for me in my life, you know, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for me. And I absolutely love that. You know, one of the things when it comes to that unconditional love is God relentlessly pursues us with his love. He relentlessly chases after us. And, uh, I tell young people, and Andy shared the story with you guys in church. We came across these teenagers. Uh, they had weed in their hands. You know, they were ready to smoke. They were gangsters in this, this area, which was quite hectic. But we were sharing the gospel of grace with them because God can change them even in that situation. And so, um, uh, let me just read this quickly. Uh, in the gospel, we discover the unparalleled love of God, unconditional sacrifice and, unwa and unwavering as leaders. Let our love reflect his divine love, embracing and uplifting others, uh, just as Christ has embraced us and uplifted us. That's 1 John 4 verse 7. Countercultural love is the story of the encounter with the woman caught in adultery. Um, so we see, the, you don't know the story, these guys catch this woman in adultery, they bring, bring her before Jesus. And uh, the Pharisees and all the guys are, are looking to trap Jesus and to catch him. Um, 
And all Jesus does, you know, he, he bends down, writes in the sand. And they're expecting, like, let's get stones. Let's stone this woman. You know, that's kind of what the world wants. And, you know, as we look at Jesus' life, we look at Jesus' character. The amazing thing is, you know what he said? He, he simply said, those who are without sin cast the first stone. And so as we look at just Jesus living a sinless life without condemnation for her, um, and he chose not to condemn the woman. You know, ultimately, that guy that came up to me, it's horrific to see what people are doing to themselves. <coughs> but I've got to love that person. I've got to show them the love of Christ. I can't just condemn. It is weird for me to see. It is weird for me to see men kissing each other on TV. That's unnatural. That's evil. It's from, from Satan. He wants to change the culture. He, if he keeps branding it or he keeps giving that story, people will start believing that that's the norm. It's not the norm. The Bible tells me different. I just think if we're going to love others and as a community of men and as you lead your family, man, you just got to show the love of Christ. Just got to bring that grace and uh, just really just say, Lord, help me in this. Because at times it is very difficult. First hand, I know this because um, with my daughter, my daughter was getting bullied at school. And basically this kid, this kid said, um, you're a fat pig. As a dad. And at that time, I'm teaching my daughter to love, enemy, love our enemies. I wanted to break my table in half when I heard it at the table. But I said to Gabs, listen, Gabs, this is what we're learning. And then I just explained to her, like, we need to show grace, even in that situation. It's tough. But long story short, the principal met with this kid. My daughter and her, my daughter said to this dude, I've been praying for you. You know, my dad's teaching me about loving enemies. You know, the word is, that's what the word says. And I'm loving you. I want to love you. And uh, the kid was suspended, came back two days later, apologized to my daughter. Now they're pretty good friends, actually. But that's that unconditional love. And I know at times it's hard. We've got to forgive. We've got to like, let things go. And so as men, and I know, I know, trust me, it is difficult. I don't know what, what, how this resonates in your heart, but maybe there's something you need to let go of. You know, as men, we can hold on to something, you know, and we don't let it go. That person wounded us deeply or just really, just let it go and trust God for the rest. Um, I think when it comes to lead, we look at the E as an example. Uh, this is uh, Jesus and the perfect example of his prayer life. Now, for most people, prayer life, uh, it can be a difficult thing. But I can tell you now, the more I've made Prayer priority, and this is Jesus' life and ministry. He always prayed. Everything he did before he made decisions, um, the more popular he got, the more he withdrew to pray. So I want to give you some verses here so you can see it. Uh, Mark 1 verse 35. 
very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. I've been to Israel twice and I've seen there was this one like part in the hill where Jesus actually gave the Beatitudes. And there's like this little cave with a, with a very ancient seat in it. And I could just picture Jesus sitting there, you know, on this hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee, just praying and spending quality time with his father. Luke 5 verse 16 says, but Jesus often, often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke 6 verse 12 says, one of those days Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Matthew 14, 23 says, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. Luke 9, 18, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? And so if you look at Jesus' example, I mean, Jesus lived out many priorities in his life. But one of the major priorities, as I've just read to you, is that that consistency of prayer. And so that consistency of prayer mean, meant, well, this is what it, ultimately what prayer is. Prayer is relationship with Jesus, with the Father. Jesus spent that quality time and pressed into his Father. Um, I have to ask this question is, it's not about how long we pray, but about the precision and the power of our prayers. You know, like, I think about the war that's happening in, in Israel and they send those bombs in, into those tunnels. They are precision bombs. You know, they're not, they're not like these bombs. They just destroy everything, but they're precision bombs. And I want to ask you, what prayers are you praying? Are you spending time in prayer? How much do you pray? Do you press into Jesus? Is prayer really a priority for you? Because I can tell you now, for, for me and the ministry that we are part of, um, if I don't pray, I know, and I know with a fact that I can feel that I just haven't been pray, praying. And I want you to know this. In, in, in South Africa, Africa, we've got this animal called a buffalo. I don't know if you've seen them, but they are powerful, powerful animals. It takes... Um, it takes about maybe 12 lions. And if you haven't seen a lion, a lion is, is very big. The claws are massive to bring down a buffalo. And so what Satan wants, and generally is, if you look at the buffaloes, the way the, way the lions hunt is they, 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 they kind of go for the pack, but they look for the one that's on the edges. And they try to get it away from the pack. And once they got it away from the pack, they attack that buffalo because it provides a lot of meat because it's a big animal but I want you to know as you sit here today there's a target on your back I want you to picture that because that, that's the reality because Satan hates you he doesn't just like dislike you he hates you he doesn't want you here today he doesn't want you to come to church he doesn't want you to be a community leader he doesn't want you to to uh, share the gospel I mean, if you're going to be sharing the gospel and you're going to start growing and be part of a mentorship group, he's, your target's going to get bigger. And I want you to know that. 
And that's why the more you press into Jesus and say, Lord, help me on a daily basis. Help, them, help me in the ministry. Help me uh, with my family. I need you. I need you to lead. I need you to guide. I need your wisdom. He'll help you. But Satan wants you to fall. The amount of leaders that Andy and I know that have fallen in sexual sin or just being dumb in ministry. I mean, the guys are falling left, right, and center. It's because they're not prayed up. It's because everything else is a priority and not prayer. And so if you make prayer a priority like Jesus made uh, prayer a priority, your life and ministry will change. Or your business. I can, uh, that's, that's just what the word says. When it comes to your lead, A for abide. And Jesus emphatically called us to abide in him through prayer, um, acknowledging that apart from him, we can do nothing. I'm the vine, you're the branches. John 15 talks about it. I can't do anything. Jesus says, I can't do anything without the Father. And so everything we do in ministry or in life, I abide in. I abide in Christ. But as I was talking about those, those targets on your back, what's the best way to kind of get you away from the pack? You know? How do I get you away? I distract you. Do you know that we are the most distracted generation ever? Ever. And sin is, is the most accessible thing that you can do in this day and age. It's very accessible. You type in whatever you want and sin is accessible. You go onto reels and you start scrolling through reels. Four hours later, wow, I've just spent four hours on, on reels or whatever. Trust me, I work with the next generation. I have to teach them how to have conversations. Real. When we have a conference, our first day, we, we send them out to go just have a conversation with someone. Put your phone away and go have a conversation. Go find out how another human being is doing, not a screen. And so Satan wants to distract you, men. I promise. He wants you to fall. He wants you to give up. He doesn't want you here. He wants you to fall into sexual sin. He wants you to, to kind of do what his bidding is. You know who are the most dangerous people in the kingdom? Or it's when you're sharing the gospel with others. Satan hates that. And so how do we counteract that? And that's by abiding in him. John 15 talks about it constantly. And it's a whole chapter on it. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so my encouragement to you men is press into Jesus. So in a culture saturated with distractions and temptation of sin, our commitment to abiding in him becomes our anchor, allowing us to resist the currents that would pull us away from our true source of strength. And lastly, the D, dedication. And this is what we see in Jesus' life. His dedication to the mission. 
His entire life was devoted to fulfilling the will of the Father. And so I want to ask you, um, what are you devoted to? My life, I can tell you now, is I'm on mission. Um, and the mission is to win every team everywhere uh, for Christ. So there's 1.4 billion people in Africa. And the average age on the African continent is 19. How do I reach every one of those teens? And so that's by equipping and training other young people who go into the schools, uh, into their communities, into their sports places, and share the gospel. And so Jesus' mission, and we stood, stood on Mount Arbel, uh, and this is where they say Jesus gave the Great Commission. I remember being in Israel. Uh, Matthew 28, therefore go make disciples of all nations. And uh, I was looking at this and I was listening to this guy talk about this. And I was thinking, you know, Jesus was committed to, to the mission at hand. And this church is on a mission. I know that. And I can see that God's been doing some crazy good things, Andy. Because I don't recognize many of your faces. But I... I, I I'm here today to tell you that, uh, are you on mission for Jesus? Are you on mission with Jesus? And I love where this church's vision is and where it's going, because they truly want to reach people, not only in your community um, and city, but also across the world. And trust me, when Andy's been in South Africa, he's been in Italy, he's seen firsthand sharing the gospel on the streets, just giving it. As hard as it is, I mean, Andy was in a gang fight. <laughs> really? I told the guy to put, put the knife away. He's going to go to jail today. And then they knocked this dude out. It was, it was hectic. But the mission at hand is to win every team everywhere for the gospel. Uh, Luke 4 verse 43 says, But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. You see, Jesus' dedication to proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God serves as a, as a powerful example for us as, as leaders to align our lives with a higher purpose. And so when you feel yourself getting caught up in the politics of things, come up and look up and say, what's the big picture? And I know this church is, uh, uh, and many churches, they go through these times where People look inward. And I'm telling you, look upward. Look upward. Look at the bigger things. There's bigger problems happening in the world. In South Africa, ours are socioeconomic. I'm telling you, have you seen someone who's hungry? I've seen people here in America who are hungry. The guy's about my size asking for money. Pan, you guys call it panhandling. He's not hungry. Hungry is somebody who grabs the food out of my hand and just starts eating it. That's hungry in Africa. That's the problems we face. Problems you face are up here. And again, got this saying, maybe you can adopt it. You got a buffalo up. Okay? You got a buffalo up. That's where the buffalo is. I think you went to blow your nose or something. <laughs> Um, Andy, the, the lions take the, the easy targets. They try and separate them. As soon as you can separate, 
then they take them. And so maybe like in all of this, what, what am I trying to say? Is that you've got a target on your back. Satan doesn't want you here. He doesn't want you to be a community leader. He doesn't want you to lead your family well. But I can tell you now, if you want good results, better results, it's pressing into Jesus, loving Jesus, making prayer priority, and asking for God's wisdom. No matter what situation you face, but it's looking to Jesus. There's many books out there that will give you all sorts of different ideas and courses and I don't know, all sorts of things. But the only person who can solve things ultimately is Jesus. So as you think about what I've said today and kind of, and I've come a long way to say this to you, but I'd say take it serious because I'm looking at your country, honestly, and I'm saying, wow, what happened to America? I mean, I watch stuff coming off TV, what they're doing, you know, and, and if Satan can divide you, keep you distracted, he's going to get you. But that's why I say buffalo up. If you stick together, those lions cannot get you. They will not get you. So buffalo up. Let's pray. So, Lord, it's a simple message. Um, I just pray for the men in this room, Lord Jesus. Whatever they're facing, whatever they, they're going through, whatever's in their hearts, Lord, you're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. You know what needs to be done. You know what needs to be said straight directly into their hearts. And I pray that you drop that word, that message into their hearts, what needs to happen. Maybe it's something with a family member. Maybe um, it's reconciliation. Maybe it's, you know, leading the family well. Maybe it's actually spending time with you in your words, spending time praying and pressing into you in a better way, Lord. So that this church, this community of men can buffalo up and really, yeah, just press into you, Lord, because we lost without you and we need you. We want to abide in you. So I pray that as the men go on there, you know, just out for the day, um, daily routines with their family and wives, they set the tone, they set the environment that it would just be something different today, that they would just be more aware uh, of just your presence in their lives, but also just more aware of the attack of the enemy. I pray that you'd protect them and look after them, Lord Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to know more about Kenosha City Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Kenosha City Church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to follow us so that you never have to miss an episode. At Kenosha City Church, we are not perfect people, but real people being made new through Jesus.